Hello, happy Tuesday. So today I have a very special guest joining the Lockdown Penguins podcast, Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports, recently promoted Danny Shirey. That is, we're going to talk all about Ron Hextall's press conference, what to expect during the offseason, probably parts of that series against the Rangers. That's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at Hello, underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making the Locked On Penguins podcast your first listen of the day. As promised, joining me now is Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And as I said in my intro, recently promoted to full-time Penguins writer Danny Shirey of that site. Uh, Danny, it's been a while since I've had you on. Um, been wanting to get you on for a while now, but I pr- appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I really appreciate you inviting me. It's a it's a pleasure to join you as always. Yeah, so I mean, we'll just obviously get right into it. So Danny Ron Hextall spoke, um, f- finally had his end of the season press conference. Took a little over a week, which is something that um, I did not expect. But, um, you know, what was, I guess, your main takeaway from that press conference? Because, you know, he could have said a lot of things, but, you know, it, it sounded like to me that um, they're, they're all in for the next few years. Yeah, the the two biggest takeaways I had and and – I, I guess the three biggest takeaways is one that Hextall seemed a little uh, more willing to divulge information than we've seen in the past. Obviously he doesn't uh, speak with the media all that often, and especially not anywhere near the level that, that Jim Rutherford did uh, when we had him for, for several years as well. But uh, the first big takeaway is that um, the Penguins are absolutely interested in, and want to re-sign Chris Letang and Evgeny, Evgeny Malkin. Um, Hextall made that explicitly clear. Um, he did uh, say that they've got some extenuating circumstances, mainly uh, pointing toward the the salary cap and their and their limited cap space that they're going to have to work with. Um, but by all indications, they are all on board with bringing both of them back. Hextall mentioned that uh, you know he would love to have Malkin and Latang finish their careers as Penguins, and and quite frankly, I think that he understands that if either of them walk, that he's not replacing a, a second line center or a, a a top D man for anything near what they'd be able to retain them for on the open market. Um, and then the second biggest takeaway that I had from his presser is that he did not seem like a guy that is in any sort of jeopardy of losing his job. I I know there's been a a lot of talk about whether Fenway sports group might clean out the front office and and kind of put their guys in there or or just go with a new regime. Um, But just, just with the, the confidence and, uh, I don't even know what to call it. He he just seemed very at ease uh, and, and definitely didn't come off as a guy that, you know, seemed like he he might be in in danger of losing his job here at, at any point in the near future. And he even um, on two separate occasions mentioned that um, him and the front office have had really good communication with FSG and that they're on board with, you know, his plan that has been rumored to be out there. So uh, they're all on board. And, um, you know, it, it definitely seems like he's going to be the one that's tasked with uh, navigating this uh, this huge offseason. 
Yeah, I mean, I've said this on the show probably a hundred times now. This is probably the most pivotal point in this franchise's history, and definitely the last twenty years, to say the least. Probably, you know, going back further than that, just because of what's at stake, who the free agents are, and you know, in Evgeny Malkin's case, um, Danny, <clears throat> we'll just get to him real quick here. Um, I, you know, I, I've been having this take for a while now, and if he does come back, and I obviously I hope he does. People need to, I guess, temper their expectations a little bit with him. The guy is 35, 36 now. But, you know, he's not bad at 5v5 anymore. He can still drive play very well. I think too many people look at the plus minus and see, oh, my God, he's a minus player, when that's probably like one of the most useless stats to look at when you evaluate a player. Um, I will say, if he does walk, um, I said this on my uh, Monday episode, you know, it's easier to replace a 2C than it is in number 1D, which is why Crystal Tang should be a higher priority for this team. Again, I don't want them to move on from either one of those players, especially Evgeny Malkin, but I, I do think it's a little bit easier to replace him if he does walk. But, you know, I think he sh- still should be brought back. I mean, I, I think I saw your tweet today, Danny, 616th in the NHL and 5v5 points per hour. This season was on a 40 uh, I believe a 42-goal, 84-point pace this season and only played half a year. I mean, I would have loved to see what he could have done in the first half but playing with maybe Evan Rodriguez, who was on a tear, or some of these other players. Um, if the Penguins do bring him back, um, w- what are your expectations for him now that you know he's a bit older now you know, at 5v5 and on the power play? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, he he's going to be 36 for this upcoming mm-hmm. season, and you know, I, most most average NHL players are on their way out the door if they're not already out the door by the time they're that age. So the fact that he just had a season where you know he scored at a 40 something goal pace and, and over a point per game after coming off a, a major knee surgery, I I think just speaks volumes to the player that he still is, even if that's not the player he was 10 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, I, th- I think that kind of leads to a, a greater point. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of, of frustration among Penguins fans that, uh, you know, he, he's not effective anymore or, or the Penguins aren't cup contenders or, or whatever it may be. And, and the reality is, is that all of their star players are past their prime. That doesn't mean they're not good anymore. That doesn't mean they're still not, you know, near the top of the league. But the reality is. 36-year-old Evgeny Malkin is not as good as 25-year-old Leon Dreisaitl, and that's okay. Nobody's expecting him to beat Leon Dreisaitl, but that's why it's so important for the Penguins to uh, you know, make sure that they're making those micro decisions, especially further down their lineup, so that they can kind of make up for some of that gap that might be between a, a Malkin and Dreisaitl at this point of their career. Um, but you know, going back to Malkin and specifically his 5v5 play, I've seen a lot of talk about how he's just an extreme defensive liability and that he he can't generate offense anymore at 5v5. Uh, first of all, his defense, while not great, is certainly not horrendous. Uh, you know, he, he's still graded out as a, a roughly below average defensive player this past season. Um, but with that being said, it, it's not like he's out there, you know, forcing the Penguins to, to get cratered in every time he's out on the ice. Um, and I, I think a lot of the um, sentiments coming from, oh, you know, he, he can't generate on his own at 5v5 anymore, uh, just is a result of some puck luck this past season. I know everybody's sick of hearing, you know, bad puck luck, um, but the Penguins shot 7.6% with him on the ice at, at 5v5. Yeah. This, yeah, they, 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 if, if, 
a couple more pucks had ended up in the back of the net uh, while he was on the ice at 5v5 this past season, I, I think we'd have be having a much different conversation. Um, and, and I also just wanted to make a point. Uh, you, you brought up plus minus and, and how many of, of that crowd really like to cite it. I always find that funny because like people will cite plus minus and then they'll say something and you're like, you don't even know how that stat is calculated. Like though somebody will be like Malkin had 40 points this, this, uh, uh, this past season, and and he was a minus ten, so that means the Penguins were giving up way more goals. And it's like the, the plus minus is just arbitrarily granting you a plus or minus for for certain situations. So I, I don't read you know into that at all. Um, and if there's anybody out there listening that that wants a a plus minus replacement, go look at five v five goal share, and and then we can have a separate discussion. Go, go, go look at Evolving Wild. Go look at Micah's stuff on Hockey Viz, which you know they are both worth a subscription so you can actually see what is going on when Evgeny Malkin is on the ice. You know, it's funny. It, they'll call him lazy and a power play specialist, but yet they'll come back at you with very lazy rebuttals. Um, and you know, I think part of it is, you know, they want to be right, that they can win without him, you know, a certain person in the city has been pushing that narrative for almost a decade now. Uh, everyone that probably listens to this podcast knows who that is because I have said his name on here a couple times. He does not need to be, um, it does not need to be repeated. Uh, that's for sure. And I also think if he does come back, get him some better line mates next year. He was had Kasperi Kappen next to him for most of this year, who was absolutely dreadful. I mean, and we'll get to Cappy a bit later because you know, I will have that comment. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Kapanen, but uh, one thing, uh, you just bringing that up, like Malkin, uh, after he came back, he spent a pretty good chunk of time with Heinen on his left wing, mm-hmm. and the Penguins actually played really, really well uh, with those two together at 5v5, but it just so happened to coincide with the, the stretch of the season where Heinen was having a little bit of uh, a, a rough stretch and not being able to put the puck in the net, even though he was creating chances just like he had been all season. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I started to see some comments that like, oh, Heinen's not a fit on, on Malkin's line. And I'm looking, I'm like, the Penguins are controlling play better than, uh, you know, any other line that they have right now with, with Malkin and Heinen out there. And I, I don't think it's uh, the greatest idea in the world to just straight on move away from it just because the puck hasn't gone in the back of the net for the past month and a half. And, and like I said earlier, the Penguins only shot 7.6% with Malkin on the ice at 5v5. Uh, that That's pretty low for his standards. And that's uh, especially with with the offensive skill and, and Malkin's individual finishing ability, I don't see any reason why that's not due for a, a positive regression next season. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And you know, I, I would like to see more of Heinen if he's on the team next year with Malkin. If he is back um, as well, you know, Heinen had, um, almost twenty goal season this year. Um, I know Jeff listens to this podcast. I will be coming up to collect my investment of those 10 goals that Heinen scored because that was probably the easiest bet I will ever take. Um, uh, and anyways, uh, last thing before we get to our first commercial break, Danny, um, we'll just get to Crystal Tang here. Um, he is, to me, way more irreplaceable <laughs> than Evgeny Malkin is. And, and that's not a slight to Gino, obviously. I know how hard it is going to be to replace him. But Latang, you know, you look at the trade market, you look at the free agent market, there's really no one there that you can realistically get that is going to replace the production, the defense, the leadership, all the all the intangibles, all the stats, everything he does on and off the ice. I touched on last week, John Klingberg was an option. 
his numbers went to the tank this year. Maybe part of it is due to Rick Bonus, but I think another part of it is due to him just not being as good as he used to be on the trade market. I know Matt Dumba's name is out there, but I think he's on the downward trajectory. Jacob Chikrin, Chikrin excuse me, you have to give up like four to five pieces to Arizona, and I do not think the Penguins even have anything close to what the Coyotes would want. Uh, this is a player, to me, Danny, they have no choice but to bring him back. And, you know, I know the contract could look a bit bad down the line, but I don't really care. If you want to give him four times eight, four times eight point two or something like that, I feel like you got to do it just because of how great he was this year. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And just like Malkin, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that Latang is is coming off the best season of his career at age 35. That that would just be ridiculous. But mm. like you said, there's not a whole lot of options out there, and probably the best uh, pending unrestricted free agent on the on the right side of the blue line is John Klingberg, like you said. And uh, you know, I I really don't see the point in in letting Latang walk to maybe save a, a million and a half dollars on on a contract for Klingberg and and Klingberg's just not a better player even though he's younger and, and you can point to Dallas in the system that that he plays in um, but I don't see Miro Haskinen having any problems playing in that system either so um, you know Klingberg's not better offensively by any stretch of the imagination and I I don't see I just don't see the point in in trying to make a, a lateral move or even downgrading just for the sake of doing so um, but uh, the Penguins have to re-sign Latanga if he's gone, um, and especially if they don't end up signing like a Klingberg, that leaves who John Marino to to man your top pairing. And um, you know, is as great as Marino was his, his rookie year, and, and looked like he might be a guy that that could eventually step up into a larger role. That that hasn't come to fruition yet, and he's certainly not a guy that you want playing 25 minutes a night. Uh, you know, out with your top line, out with your top power play, out on the top penalty kill unit. He's just not that guy, and and that's okay. Um, but that just speaks even more so as uh, as to how important it is to bring Latang back. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree there, and especially to your point with Marino. You know, I went back to his rookie mode. I thought in the playoffs before that bad giveaway to Mika Zibanejad in Game Seven, and you know, if he can play like that moving forward, that is going to be a big help to the defense. But you know, he doesn't produce enough offense to play at that number one, you know, that number one spot on the right pair, to say the least. And, you know, who's going to drive all your offense? Mike Matheson, you know, for as good as he is, now for as good as he was this year, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, a, a thing every single year for the rest of this contract, just because, you know, offensively, yeah, sure, good. Defensively, better at times but also you know he's he's that full chaotic player where you know obviously there's people out there that think he should be a forward at times with how he plays defense but um, right they, they have no choice but to get this done i think elliot freeman said it sounds like they're closer on talks with him than they are with malkin right now which is interesting um <clears throat> to say the least um so a lot more to get to for this episode of locked on penguins podcast uh but before we get to all of that so I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half of the batter just when I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. Well, you are in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now on Built.com. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for if you have not. They are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. They are deliciously flavored marshmallows covered in 100% 
real chocolate with 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. They will have you completely forgetting that you were eating a protein bar. There's no need to pinch yourself. This is real life. You can go to built.com and get brownie batter puffs right now and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, my special guest is Danny Shirey of DK Pittsburgh Sports. So um, a couple other things I wanted to dive deeper with, with you um, for this episode. I only really gave my analysis on these yesterday. But um, again, you, you were like one of the only reporters, I think, to put out Ron Hextall's quote about Kampanen. And Ron goes, yeah, you know, we, we would like to see more of him, you know, be better next year. And I was like, that's interesting because he just had a terrible year. He's it's probably the right call to give him the qualifying offer. I wouldn't expect him to accept it, which means if I'm correct, he'll be a UFA if that happens. I, I think I got that right, Danny. No, um, so so my understanding of it and, and Taylor Haas has, has been a huge help in uh hmm. you know helping me understand it as well because she she knows like all the nuances of of contracts and, and the salary cap and everything. Hmm. But my understanding is that if the Penguins submit a qualifying offer to Kapanen or any of their restricted free agents, they retain their rights regardless of whether the RFA actually signs the contract. Uh, so okay. that's that's why it's such a big deal for and a, and a no-brainer for the Penguins to submit that cheap qualifying offer to Kapanen because um, you know they'll they'll be able to submit a qualifying offer. I think um, at like 820k to like a million dollars top. So it makes all the sense in the world for them to submit oh, yeah. that to him because even if he doesn't sign uh, that qualifying offer, the Penguins are going to retain his rights and it's basically going to be like, all right, Cappy, well, you got to sign that deal or, or you're going to sit out or we're going to trade you for, you know, some, some separate assets. And, you know, he's been very outspoken about how much he loves Pittsburgh and, and playing with the Penguins and spe specifically the group of guys that they have in that locker room right now and how much they've meant to him. So even if that dollar figure isn't necessarily where he wants it to be, I'd have a tough time seeing him, you know, sit out a season at maybe the most pivotal point of Of course, my dog decides to bark in the background as I think a package just got delivered. So that's that, that's a perfect way to uh, have that. It's always I always love perfect timing. Um, but th thank you for telling me that. Um, yes, I think she hopefully stopped there. Um, I swear, man. The, the funniest things always happen during this show. Just just the just the uh, other night, she she comes downstairs comes i had to pause the recording just because she just it's, it's you know that's dogs are just something else but um you know okay Th thank you at least for telling me that danny because again i i originally thought that if he didn't take the qualifying offer he would be a ufa so um i, I appreciate the clarity on that um that's for sure um and yeah it's definitely a no-brainer but my thing is though danny you know even if he doesn't take it do the penguins still want to bring him back just because of how bad this year was for him. I know he had 30 points in 40 games the, the, the year prior to that, but you know, it's definitely going to, I don't know. I think the only way I would do it personally is if it's a cheap kind of prove it year deal. You know, I don't think if the Penguins do bring him back, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near 3 million that he was making on this contract. It would probably have to be, you know, I don't know, Danny, like a 2 million, maybe a bit below just because I feel like his value right now is so shot because of how bad he was this year. Well, yeah, I mean, 
If he were just a, an unrestricted free agent, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if, if the Penguins were just like completely fine with letting him walk. But I think because of the cap constraints that they have and, you know, if if they do end up getting Malkin and Latang re-signed, that's going to take up a, a pretty hefty chunk of, of the just under 24 million in cap space they have remaining after Brian Russ signed his deal. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're going to just try and squeeze some value out of, out of this qualifying offer that I'm expecting them to, to give to him. Um, you know, like you said, he did put up 30 points in, in 40 games, his, his first season with the team. And then he followed it up with pretty much the exact same production in, in twice as many games this past season. Um, so I, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, Kapanen's as bad as, as he showed for large stretches of this past season. Uh, and, and he obviously has some, some pretty untapped potential. Um, that's not necessarily on, on the Penguins to figure it out, but I think, um, being able to bring him in on, on such a bargain bin deal, it's, it's worth the risk considering the potential that he has and, and the cap crunch that they're in right now. Uh, obviously, yes, you'd like to go out and get maybe a player that you know is a little more consistent and uh, might not be as influenced by their confidence or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I think because Kapanen shored up a, a lot of deficiencies in his game away from the puck this past season, mainly his defensive play and, and getting involved, um, you know, taking smart routes on the forecheck and even getting involved physically on the forecheck. Yeah. While, you know, he doesn't necessarily excel at any of those things, they were major problems before. So because he cleaned some of those up, I, I think the Penguins are going to be a little more, uh, you know, willing to ride with him on this bargain bin deal if it ends up happening. Um, but, you know, it, it's anybody's guess as to how it'll play out. Yeah. And, you know, and if I if I see that, if I see him and he's on the team next year, go into the offensive zone with so much speed, stops, curls back, and looks for that pass. I, you know, I, I, I may <laughs> there will be problems just because I feel like he didn't do that his first year. Here, he would actually use his speed in that shot to his advantage. This year, does the complete opposite. Comes in with so much speed, stops along that right far wall, and then looks for the pass. That's like you're not trusting yourself like you used to. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why he was struggling. I think. Yeah, I mean, when the Penguins initially traded for him, because uh, back at the time, the the Maple Leafs were probably the team that I watched the most outside of the Penguins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I thought he was an okay player, but I immediately saw people like, oh, this is Crosby's new winger or whatever. And I immediately told people, I'm like, he is going to frustrate the crap out of you guys. And, and uh, you know, one of my points was like you brought up, he would just fly into the offensive zone with a bunch of speed. Looks like he's about to beat a defender wide. And the defender maybe closes like a half an inch to an inch of a gap on him. And then all of a sudden, Kapanen's like, oh, can't beat him and just holds up at the at the half wall waiting for support. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a time and a place to do that. We see a lot of goals scored where a guy will hold up right there. But at this point, it seems like defenders are pretty much sitting on Kapanen holding up at that point, And they're able to keep a little bit of a tighter gap and, and not necessarily respect his speed because they know he's not willing to use it. So, um, you know, it it's frustrating. Like I said, he, he does have the potential to, to be a, an extremely impactful player. Um, but you know, the, the production just hasn't been there. And, and, uh, you know, even at the, at the beginning of the Rangers series, he was playing what many called some of his best hockey of, of his season. And that only lasted for a couple games. And it, it really felt like he went down with a whimper throughout the rest of that series. So, um, obviously not a, not a perfect player and, and, in an ideal world, you'd you'd maybe like to have a um, 
bit more of a, a surefire bet, maybe in your middle six or, or down on the third line on the right wing. Um, but, you know, they're they're going to have to ride with them considering their cap constraints. Yeah, no, I 100%, 100% agree with that. And, you know, speaking of the cap constraints, you know, another thing I saw from that press conference, Danny, um, I think it Mike DeFabo of the uh, Post-Gazette asked the question, um, he's like, I think he's like, is there anything you like you would want more of this offseason? And I think Ron said, you know, maybe maybe a little more camp space. And I'm like, OK, that's interesting. He had the, I think he also had the I think someone also asked him about uh, the log jam on the left side of the defense. Because um, I think POJ is probably very close, if not already ready to play in the NHL. And obviously, one of the ways to create cap space is to move out one of those three defensemen probably have to be Brian Dumoulin after the seasons that Marcus Pedersen and Mike Matheson just had. Um, you know, do you foresee Hextall going out and creating a decent amount of cap space this summer, or do you think it's going to be harder than, you know, some expect? Because, you know, all the armchair GMs on cap friendly on and on social media and stuff, Danny, well, trade out Jason Zucker, trade out this guy, bring in this guy. It's like, you know, it, it's harder to do all this just because, you know, teams they value players a certain way so i figured i would you know ask you about that and just you know do you expect ron to make a deal or two you know to shed some cap because it definitely sounds like he would like to do that yeah i mean i i I definitely think he would like to do so but he during his press conference he mentioned on on several occasions how he he'd like to have a little more clarity and like you know a couple other pieces to the puzzle that he's trying to build and you know nobody wants to hear it but the reality is is that the the rest of the penguins roster doesn't matter if they don't figure out what's going on with balkan and Latang. so once you have those pieces taken care of i think i think uh you know the picture becomes a lot clearer and you can really start to hammer down um you know what other decisions you might want to make. Um, but as, as far as moving out one of those left-handed defensemen, I agree with you that it's got to be Brian Dumoulin. But then who's going to trade for a 30-year-old defenseman coming off probably the worst season of his career? And oh, by the way, he tore his MCL during game one of the playoffs. So um, I, I don't necessarily see any team taking a stab at him. Um, so that leaves, you know, Matheson or, or Pedersen over on the left side if you want to move a guy. And um, you know, Matheson showed this past season that he's really the only other guy outside of Latang on the Penguins blue line that can, can consistently generate offense. Yeah. And Marcus Pedersen has been one of their most steady defensive defensemen over the past two, three seasons. So it's it's kind of a situation where, uh, you know, you almost make a move for the sake of making a move and end up hurting yourself elsewhere. I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that I'm not the one that has to make these decisions because whatever happens, they're, they're, there's at least going to be some hesitation in that. Um, but you know, I, it, it's tough too. I, I, I sent out a tweet toward the end of the season, um, that, that said something along the lines of if, if I had to make a deal or if I had to trade away one of the two, I would actually move out Marino before I moved out Pedersen. Now people took that as saying, Oh, you're saying Marino's a better player than Pedersen or, or whatever it may be. And that I don't necessarily believe that to be the case, but as you brought up P.O. Joseph, the Penguins have to figure out what's going on with him this season. He, he can't spend another year in the minors, um, at, at least until the Penguins get an extended look at him. So unless 
Um, you know, they want to give him a chance in the lineup. I don't see him as a Pedersen replacement. Joseph is a is a guy that's good with the puck on his stick and, and has a little bit of offensive upside. Um, but, you know, he, he's not great defensively. He's not a, a towering presence or anything like that. And I I have extreme hesitations that he'd be able to slot in um, and kind of fill Pedersen's role where they used him as a guy that could go out there and, and really shut down some mid-level competition. Um, but what, one of the other things that kind of stood out from Hextall's press conference is that he noted um, all of P.O. Joseph, uh, Sam Poulin, uh, Philip Hallander, and Valtteri Pustinen as players oh. that could make the jump uh, into the lineup for next season. So, you know, when all these armchair GMs, like you were saying, are, are putting together their rosters on cap friendly, uh, you know, f- from all the from all the unrestricted free agents that are out there, they might want to start looking into some of these guys that are down in, in Wilkes-Barre right now. Um, because the reality is, like, w- like we've talked about this entire episode, the Penguins are going to be up against the cap. And, you know, they're not going to have the ability to go out and sign, you know, these middle of the lineup, bottom of the lineup guys for two, three, four million dollars. It's just not going to happen. So they're going to have to fill out some of those roster spots with guys like Poulin or Pustin yeah. or, or whoever it may be, because they're going to be on those, um, you know, league minimum contracts or close to league minimum contracts. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, you know, Pustin is probably the, the forward that I'm really interested interested about because you know he he looked nhl ready when he was up this year at least i thought so he only played i think a game or two um but i, I do think they should try to give him an extended look going back to poj danny you know he got a decent look um not this past season but last season when the penguins were doing some injuries looked ready to me at that point i think played on the top pairing with crystal tang struggled a little bit just because i mean you're playing top pairing minutes against the best players in the world but you have to see what you have in this kid. You know, he was the prime, you know, the prime jewel in that Phil Kessel trade. He's done well in the AHL. It's time to bring him up with the big boys and see what he can do for at least a little bit. You know, Poulin, I think he had a nice end to his regular season and in the playoffs, if I recall correctly. Hollander came up a couple times. We'll see what they have there. But, you know, they also have Danny, obviously Drew O'Connor. You know, he lit it up in the first half of the regular season was looking like someone who could be a 12th, 13th forward redeems the Horner. I believe his contract is a one-way contract next season. I think they're going to really hope that he can make the jump full time to the NHL too. So I definitely think, you know, there's a good amount of talent down there in Wilkesbury that could potentially come up um, for the, you know, the full-time team with the Penguins, but um, so a little more to get to for our final segment of the show that's all coming up right after this break. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Of course, I have Danny Shire here of DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, Danny, I, I have been thinking about this too. And we we kind of basically almost talked about it, but it, it goes hand in hand. I do want the team to get you know younger, a bit faster next season, just because obviously you know the core guys are a lot older now. I think, you know, some of the other players on the team, you know, like a Jeff Carter, when he's not really scoring, he's not really doing too much. You know, Brock Begin struggled. Um, A lot of those players, you know, they're not super, I guess, fast. But I feel like if they can, you know, either sign a younger player in free agency or bring some players up from the AHL that are a bit faster and younger to inject some youth into this team, I do feel like that's going to pay off for the next few years in Sidney Crosby's era. Um, I, I figured I would ask you, like, what would you say about that? Do you think they should, you know, go into the free agent market and the trade market looking to get 
a bit younger, or do you think it should mainly just be about like some some of those Wilkesbury guys that we talked about, or both? No, I mean, like we were talking about a little bit ago, it's it's going to be really tough, especially on the the free agent market, yeah. but even through a trade, um, to you know add any impactful, you know, speed or, or youth to the top of their lineup. And, you know, if, if Malkin and, and Raquel and, and even Latang end up coming back, there's not really a whole lot of room toward the top of the lineup to kind of transition guys out anyway. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really looking kind of toward that, that fourth line um, and specifically guys like Drew O'Connor and, and Redeem Zahorna, like you said before the break, um, that can step in. They've, they were extremely impactful in, in their you know, limited stints during this past season. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, worst case scenario, I think a Redeem Zahorna can at bare bones minimum provide the value that a Brian Boyle provided for the Penguins this past season with potentially maybe even a little more upside. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy that I, I really think – the Penguins need to figure out what they have in him. He's he's not necessarily a young guy either. He's he's in his mid twenties, but uh, you know he he's still pretty green and, and doesn't have a lot of um, you know games under his belt throughout his career. So that that's a guy that I I'm definitely interested in seeing more of. Um, but I also think Drew O'Connor has a, a pretty good chance of being a a play driving prowess in on that fourth line or maybe even on the third line if if the Penguins have some injury issues and, and need a guy to step up. Um, you know, he he vastly improved his skating from what we first saw um, sure in his time with the Penguins. He, he definitely got a lot quicker, but he seems stronger on his skates, too. And, and that's a guy, unlike a lot of fourth liners that we see, that's a guy that seems to be able to shoot the puck pretty well. And, and we saw him almost score. And when he got into a game uh, during the Rangers series, he, he put a, a puck off the elbow pipe right past Shesterkin. Um, so he, those are both two guys that, that I think if, if the Penguins need them to can, can step into the bottom of the lineup and, and provide some impactful results. Yeah, and especially you know, you know that they could be helpful on the penalty kill. Um, Danny, it was so weird to see that unit play so well during the regular season, and then um, I don't know if that was a deployment issue with Brian Boyle and Brock McGinn out there. I know I think um, Clark, I think that's his name, four hundred four response code on Penguins Twitter. We talk about how Rodriguez and Kapan should have been given more minutes just because they're a lot faster than those two players. Um, you know, it was it was weird that the Penguins were being way more passive against the Rangers and, you know, just getting faster players that would get like, like a Drew O'Connor or like a Zahorna who also has a pretty long reach. I think that would really help the PK get back to where it was during the regular season just because, you know, it was one of the main reasons why they lost that series against the Rangers. And it was something I didn't see coming because, you know, the, the, the PK had been such a strength of this team all year and to see it go backward like that, um, definitely uh, re really weird to say the least. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I'll say in regard to the, to the penalty kill and, you know, results are results. Don't get me wrong, but um, especially, you know, like halfway through the year when the Penguins had, you know, it, it seemed like they hadn't given up a, a power play goal in months. Um, and, and they were at the top of the league standings and, and penalty kill percentage. And uh, I, I don't remember if I actually put it out there or not, just at risk of, of having the, the pitchforks come after me. But um, if, if you looked at the quality of the chances that the Penguins were giving up when they were on the penalty kill, uh, they were still an above average team in that regard. But there was heavy indication that they were being propped up by the performance of Jari. 
specifically on the penalty kill. Now, that's not to say that the penalty kill was bad and, and the skaters in front of him weren't doing a good job. They were. But let's also take a look at, you know, some of the guys that were trotted out there for every penalty kill, including Jeff Carter and Brian Boyle. And they both did, you know, fine at, at certain points in time. And obviously Carter's um got a immense provides immense value on the face-off dot he was one of the best face-off guys in the league this past year um, but you know I also think there's something to be said for for trotting both those guys out there for every single penalty kill over the course of an entire season when they're both in their late 30s I mean that's that's obviously going to have some effects down the line and Carter even said as much as it at his end of season media availability that yeah it was kind of a difficult season for me because past two seasons were were shortened for us and I played 76 games so I, I think we really started to see the effects more so um, on on Carter especially as as the Penguins got into the postseason yeah and you know and I, and I kept saying this to everyone on this podcast you know it, it's great that he's scoring you know don't get me wrong but as soon as he signed that two-year deal his isolated impacts his overall impacts on the ice with his teammates they just went off of uh, just off a cliff compared to where he was last year you know Danny, you, you truly went back to bed when Carter was playing like that, to, to say the least. I, um, I'm, I'm vindicated. <laughs> you, you, you got vindicated this year. You, you, I think you had a tweet out there. You were like, this is how I expected him to play last season. And then he obviously went on that heater and then played very well um, in the playoffs. But, yeah, yeah that's, that is a unit that, that has to be better uh, moving forward. For next year, you know, Danny, I, I still think this is a playoff team heading into next season. You know, I, I look at the Eastern Conference and I'm like, okay, who is going to pass them from below? The Flyers, no. Uh, the, the Senators, you know, maybe they spend a little bit of their money. Uh, the Red Wings, probably not. The Islanders, I, I would say yes, but Barry Trotz is not there anymore, and I also think they need a, a couple more scores um, too. I don't think they can just ride Sorokin um, all, all the way. Um, how do you see the team moving forward through the offseason? Obviously, you know, there's going to be a, a ton of moves. This is such an important offseason. But, you know, as it stands right now, um, I, I personally think this is at least a playoff team heading into next year. Um, what about you? Yeah, th this is a playoff team heading into next year. And um, I, I do think that the Eastern Conference is a better conference than the West. Uh, but with that being said, I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest if the exact playoff teams from this season are the exact playoff teams from next season from the Eastern Conference. Like you said, I don't necessarily see any teams like the Flyers or the Islanders or, or even the Devils unless they figure out their goaltending situation, uh, you know, really taking a next step. And, and maybe they'll squeak in over, you know, some of these other teams in the East that might lose some pieces here this offseason. Um, but I, I definitely don't see them, you know, leapfrogging the Penguins, at least not while Sidney Crosby's around. So, um, and quite frankly, while Sidney Crosby's around and, and still at least for this upcoming season, if he's going to be there, you have to try and at least compete for another championship. Um, you know, otherwise, I, I feel like you're just wasting your twilight years. And at that point, you might as well just go ahead and go into a rebuild rather than being like, oh, yeah, we made the playoffs for the 17th consecutive season or, or whatever it may be like. Yeah, that's cool and that's great, and it, it cements history and, and legacy for you. But at the end of the day, everybody's goal here is is to win a championship. And I think with Crosby still around, um, especially after the season that he just had, that you know that that is at least a, a somewhat attainable goal if um, you know all the all the pieces fall into place, and you know hopefully they don't lose their 
starting goalie going into the playoffs, or hopefully their starting goalie uh, doesn't have the worst six-game stretch of their career. So, um, and you know, I, I tell people this all the time. They're like, you know, they're running it back with the same team that hasn't won a playoff round in five years or yep. whatever. And so much of of winning in the postseason, yes, obviously you've got to be a good team, but you more so have to be lucky. Well, it's luck, but you've also got to capture lightning in a bottle. So that's yeah. not to say the teams that are, are winning are just straight up being lucky. They're good teams that are benefiting from some luck, but they've also got everything working at the right time. They've got their goaltending at least playing up to par. Their stars are performing at, at a level that it's, that's expected from them. Their depth is chipping in. And those are the things that I'm you know, largely referring to when I talk about capturing lightning in a bottle. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, if, if we were doing what a lot of these armchair GMs are suggesting and, and you know, just letting Malkin and Latang walk and throwing a bunch of money at random free agents or whatever, that's that's how you end up like the Flyers in the situation that they're in right now. So if you want to end up like that, be my guest. And 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 speaking of the Flyers, uh, John Torella interview there today. So and I, I hope to God I hire him. Uh, just be a great feeder. But no, well, that you would are one hundred percent right. You know, I, you don't want this team to turn into the Detroit Red Wings here. Where it's like, oh my God, twenty five years in a row. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Like someone that was born twenty five years ago has seen them make the playoffs every year. But what are you doing during those those end of the twilight years? Powell Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg left, and then you really fell off. So. Um, I definitely did not do not want the team, you know, like that. Uh, real quick here, Danny, just uh, two more things. I'll combine them. Uh, the Brian Russ contract, six times 5.1, a ridiculous steal to me. Um, I said on this podcast, six times six, six times six and a half was probably what he was going to get. I probably had a 95% chance he was going to walk. Um, I will take the L on that one. <laughs> uh, that was, did not see that coming. And just want to get your thoughts on that deal. And then also, Danny, this team, I think, needs to bring back Evan Rodriguez. Um, I have seen so many people on either social media, you know, sports talk radios, you know, calling him like a, like a fraud or something like that or saying he's not not that good. But, you know, he just had the best season of his career, really turned it on in the playoffs as well. Um, he is a great depth piece for this team. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. To y'all combine that with the Brian Russ question, because um, he, you know, he needs to be he needs to be brought back. Yes, starting with Rust, um, I was expecting his cap hit to be at least like six and a half million, um, especially because during his end of season media availability, he was alluding to the fact that uh, you know he was significantly underpaid for uh, the past several years. His cap hit was only three and a half million dollars, and even though he uh, you know, was producing at or near a, a point per game and was producing points at a rate that was, you know, on par with some of the, the better players in the league. So he kind of made it sound like he would at least be open to testing the waters and maybe a Detroit would throw $7 million at him per year for six or seven years. And, um, you know, I, I hadn't written that off and, and kind of expected something like that to happen. So the, the fact that the Penguins were able to get him at, at just over $5 million per year, um, is absolutely outstanding. Now, I don't necessarily think that, you know, he's going to be living up to that in year four or five or six of his deal. He he very well may could. Um, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, and I'm going to go against what I would do in, in any normal circumstance, but I, I truly believe that the Penguins need to do everything that they can to try and maximize their chances to win a uh, Stanley Cup either this season or, or maybe the following season. So if you have to hand out, you know, two, three, 
maybe even four years for a guy like Latang, uh, extra years than you would maybe want to have them around for. I think it's okay to go ahead and do that because at least getting near or maybe even potentially winning a Stanley Cup at this point in time is going to be far more gratifying than being able to say, oh, yeah, we're a playoff team in another three, four years from now, but being kind of stuck in that middling yep. ground where you're you're definitely not a contender, but you're still good enough to to make the playoffs and not get a lottery pick in the draft. Um, so that's that's kind of where I stand with that. And as far as Re Rodriguez is concerned, I'm with you 100% that the Penguins absolutely need to bring him back. Um, he's coming off the best season of his career. The Penguins are most likely going to be able to get him at a, an extremely uh, low cap hit uh, for the value that he's going to provide. And, um, you know, he he seems like a guy that, that like Kapanen, really loves this team and, and likes playing for the Penguins. And, you know, why wouldn't he? He's had the best success of his career with the Penguins. It would make sense, especially for a guy that seems to be influenced by uh, his confidence um, more than most, just just like Kapanen. Uh, for a guy that seems to be influenced by his confidence so much, it seems like it would be important to him to kind of stay in a, in a familiar environment, uh, you know, where he, he knows he's found success uh, before. And, and, you know, he's, he's a guy that can slot in at center or wing on legitimately any line. And, and we know how much Mike Sullivan likes his Swiss army knives and, and he fits that bill to a T. So um, I would be shocked if, if the Penguins don't re-sign him as well. Yeah. And, and I'm sure they can get him on a pretty decent cap hit, you know, maybe three something is probably the number I think they would get him at, but you know, there's so many, you know, the, the market is so weird. I think with with some of those players, um, but I think that will do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Danny, I really appreciate you coming on. Man, we probably could have gone for another 45 minutes to an hour or something with so many topics uh, regarding this team. But, again, I really appreciate it. Um, why don't you tell the listeners what you got coming up for uh, uh, the site? Yeah, so uh, every Thursday at, at DK Pittsburgh Sports, I have a, an analysis column that goes out called Drive to the Net. Um, I, I look at individual players, uh, team tactic stuff, uh, roster building, whatever it may be. Um, don't want to don't want to spoil anything yet because we've got some pretty exciting stuff coming up. Uh, but uh, me, along with Taylor Haas. Um, our other uh, beat reporter for the Penguins over there. We've got uh, some pretty exciting stuff planned. And uh, if if I can't give you anything, uh, I'll, I'll just hold off. But uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, my uh, my at is at Danny Shirey, PGH. Um, and you guys can keep up with all my work there. I tweet out all my articles. I'll tweet fancy stats out. I'll tweet regular stats out, charts, graphs, all the good stuff. Yeah, if you are not following Danny and his work, uh, you are doing it wrong um, for being a Penguins fan. Um, I'm just waiting for him to get his check mark. Um, I think at this point, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's the thing that we we, we really need him. Let's uh, see. Yeah, now that he uh, does this full time, so Hope, hopefully it's coming soon. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it badly needs to. You you, you definitely um, deserve that to say the least. But again, thank you so much for coming on, Danny. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, and we'll definitely have to do this again in the offseason, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Hunter. It was a blast. Yeah, no, of course. Um, we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday, and I'll talk to you guys then. Have a great Tuesday.